Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuhu. This is Abdul Nasser Jengda, and you're listening to the Qalam Podcast. The Qalam Podcast has become an important part of people's lives all around the world. There are millions of people benefiting from the podcast every single day. Thousands of hours of content, dozens of different series from all the different teachers and scholars here at Qalam. All of this is delivered to the community free of charge. We are excited and actively working to grow and increase our efforts to deliver more and more benefit to the community. We ask you to support our efforts and become part of the Qalam family. Please go to qalamfamily.com and sign up to contribute to this Sadaqa Jariya on a monthly basis. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept from all of us Jazakumullahu khairan wassalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Wa salatu wa salam ala Sayyidina wa Nabiyyina wa Mawlana Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Allahumma inna nas'aluka hubbak wa hubba man yuhibbuk wa hubba amalin yuqarribuna ila hubbak ya arhamar rahimeen. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for his love. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us the love of those actions that will gain his love. Uh, And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us the love of those people that he loves. That means we ask Allah that we love the good people. Like we want to be around the good people. We want to be with the good people. And um, that the good people like us around them. And that's a good sign. Um, Because the Prophet he said that a person will be be with the people that you love. You'll be resurrected on the day of judgment with the people that you love. Um, and the Sahabi who asked that question, actually, he was like, sometimes you love some people, but you can't be with them. And the scholars say there's two meanings, either like physically be with them or like actions. Like I love the awliya, the good people of Allah, but my actions are like down here. So and, and the, the Prophet said, don't worry, you'll be with the people that you love uh, on the day of judgment. So. Um, may Allah give us the love of those that, that he loves, inshallah ta'ala. Um, this is our fourth session of Know Thy Enemy, um, a session in which we are discussing, learning um, the ways in which shaitan tries to tra- trap us, the ways in, sh- in which shaitan tries to throw us off the, 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 the path. Because the Quran teaches us that uh, shaitan says, I'm going to come from every single direction to misguide Bani Adam, to misguide me and you. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran says, Make sure you treat shaitan like an enemy. And when you know you have an enemy, what you have to do is learn how that enemy attacks you. Now in our last session, um, Imam Ghazali rahimahullah ta'ala, he gave this beautiful metaphor. And this metaphor was that, you know, your heart is this castle. Your heart is this castle. And shaitan wants nothing more then not only to attack this castle, but take over this castle. He wants you living life for him. He wants you living life according to what he wants you to do and what your nafs wants. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is like, no, this heart, this castle, you got to protect it. And so Imam Ghazali, he said, in order to protect the castle, you got to know the doors. You got to know the entry points. You got to know the ways in which shaitan can come in. And so we were, we, were, we were discussing last week, um, I think we did two of them. I think we did two of the different ways in which 
Shaitan tries to get into our heart. Um, and today we're going to go over uh, a few more, inshallah ta'ala. Um, take note, take note, because honestly, I feel like throughout this class, um, you know, somebody brought up something, right? Like somebody was like, you know, shaitan makes me afraid of something. And, and last class we were like, whenever shaitan makes you fear anything other than him, then at that point, remember Allah. And what we said last time is that once you start using that tactic, every time, every time I'm afraid of something, every time, shaitan says, well, what about this? What about that? And I go, astaghfirullah, I fear Allah. Now that tactic is actually becoming a means by which I'm remembering Allah. So now shaitan has to switch up the method in which he attacks our heart because that tactic, I'm woke to it. I know what's going on. And so now every time fear was coming throughout this whole week, I was like, Allah, 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 what am I afraid of? What am I afraid of? So um, we're going to start with a hard one. We're going to start with a hard one. It may rub us wrong, but inshallah, it makes us aware and we're woke to this tactic of shaitan. One of the doors to the heart that Satan tries to use. Imam Ghazali, he says, He says, the next door, the next door is that shaitan tries to come into the heart through the heart's love of adornment with things, beautifying yourself with things, clothes, and houses, and things like that. Now, like I said, this is, a, this is, this is going to be an interesting one. What is he trying to say? Imam Ghazali is like, look, Allah made your heart in a way where it loves beautiful things. It always likes to upgrade. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in the Quran that made beautiful to us is the love of the opposite gender, children, uh, cars with nice emblems on the front. Like we love this stuff. It's just kind of like you walk past a dealership and you just kind of like, okay, alhamdulillah, inshallah, one day. Um, so it's natural in us that we love these things. We walk through the mall, me and wifey, we just window shopping, right? It's just like one day. I'm like, why don't we just buy? She's like, no, we just look it. <laughs> right? So subhanAllah, he says now this. He says that's a natural door to the heart. But shaitan tries to exploit that door. I want to talk about this more. He says, the inna shaitan, idara When shaitan sees that your heart is conquered by this love of beautifying yourself with more things. And he specifically mentions three things. He says, number one is um, athath. Athath just means like a new coffee machine, a new couch set, a new this, a new that, all these new things in the house. He says, what thiab, clothes, nonstop. Closet is like, you wore it one time, you never saw it again. And what else? He says, what dad, we're gonna to get to that one in a minute. He goes, when shaitan sees that you're a person who this is really bad for you. You really like new things. You really like getting a lot of new things. He says, he says, he says, uh, uh, 
he comes into that heart through that door. So listen. He's like, he keeps calling you to upgrading the house. Upgrade. Yo, yo. If you ever buy a home, inshallah, you think the first week, yo, we're going to fix it up. After a week, we're going to be chilling. Four months later, somebody like, y'all get settled? You're like, oh, no, the carpet. Um, yeah. Then we had to change this. Then we had to do this. Then wifey was like, the patio's a little tight. Yo, we need to expand the patio. Then you're like, yo, my, 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 my gym could be, my uh, garage could be low-key a nice gym. So now we got to do the floor. It just keeps going. It just keeps going from one thing to the next thing to the next thing to the next thing. So he says, he mentions like beautifying the roof and stuff. And just expanding it. Like, oh, let's just add a room here. Add some room here. Add some room here. Then he calls you to the beautification of clothes. Beautification of what you wear. Just constantly. Now, I want to pause here. Hold up. Is there anything in our deen about not not dressing nicely. I'm not talking about me. Come on, why you got to do that? The one day I wear the little like Turkish joint, you got to call me out. Nah, like there's a person that came up to the Prophet وسلم, and he's like, I like, he literally says like, I like nice clothes and I like nice shoes. Like I like those. Is there anything wrong with that? What did the Prophet say? Inna Allaha jameel yuhibbul jamal. Allah is beautiful. He loves beauty. Another person came and he was always like wearing really like tattered clothes. And the prophet asked him, he's like, do you got any money? He's like, yeah, I'm loaded. <laughs> no, literally, he was like, yeah, I got money. He's like, what type? He's like, every type. Like, I got goats. I got camels. I got horses. I got goat. He's like, I got every type. So the prophet said, this is crazy. The Prophet said, indeed, God loves to see his bounty on his servant. That's your Nia when you're in the mirror. You know what I mean? I'm just trying to, Ya Allah, I'm just trying to show everybody what you gave me. Alhamdulillah. Indeed, Allah loves to see his bounty on his servant. Now y'all Instagram's going to be crazy, man. <laughs> it's going to be crazy. Tag, hashtag. No, but hold on, though. Hold on. I wanted to balance this. This is important because what he says is, though, listen, this is where it gets scary. The problem is when it keeps going, though. The problem is not you hook up your car once. The problem is you doing it for your whole life. You got the, you got the rims. You got the tents. You got this. You got, every month, it's just, a new, it's just a new addition. It keeps going. It keeps going. It keeps going. Look what he says next. He says, he says, uh, what dawab for them dawab meant cars you just every you guys just keep getting a new whip all the time he says he says and now shaitan allows this desire of yours to always want new and expand and get more and get more he he you spend your whole life on this now listen to this this is where it gets scary he says whenever he gets you stuck here he says he doesn't even have to come back to you no more. See, normally shaitan has to keep checking in to make sure you're not coming to the right path. But when you get this problem and shaitan has exploited this particular problem, he doesn't even have to come back. 
Because once you're in the mindset of always upgrading, always getting more, that consumes you, you're good. He doesn't even have to come back to you. He doesn't even have to come back to you. He came in through that door and that's it. He says, He says, indeed, that will drag you on your whole life until you end the world and you're still upgrading the house. You 60, you, I mean, like 60 ain't old, but you know what I'm trying to say. You getting up there, you still upgrading. He's like, Baba, yo, it's uh, <laughs> time to retire a little bit. Nope, still upgrading, still upgrading, still upgrading. Now, it wasn't until I read this that I understood another hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu This hadith, I, I never could understand it until this session. There's a narration in which Amr bin As, he says, the Prophet ﷺ walked past. This hadith is in Sahih Muslim, uh, Tirmidhi, all of the authentic books. The Prophet ﷺ, مَرَّ الرَّسُولُ alayna. The Prophet ﷺ was walking down the street and we were fixing the side of our house. The houses were made out of clay, so you got to put some new fresh dirt on there. You got to paint the house up again. You got to make sure that stays stable. So, so we were fixing our house and the Prophet walked past. فَقَالَ مَا هَذَا He's like, what y'all doing? And they were like, وَهِيَ It's getting weak, like it's getting weak. The wall's getting weak. نَحْنُ نُصْلِحُهُ we're, we're, we're fixing it, we're fixing it. In the Prophet ﷺ, he said these words, he said, مَا أَرَاءَ الْأَمْرِ إِلَّا أَعْجَلَ مِنْ ذَلِكَ He's like, I think you're, uh, it's heavy, but you got to get the perspective. He goes, مَا أَرَاءَ مَا أَرَاءَ الْأَمْرِ إِلَّا أَعْجَلَ مِنْ ذَلِكَ in my perspective, al-amr, death, and me leaving the world is closer than that. Closer than what? See, now that we understand that this one fix, see, what did I say? You get a new house, you get a new car, you get something, you say, I just got to fix one thing. But what does that one thing become? Jesus keeps going on. So the Prophet ﷺ is actually stopping the problem at the root. He's stopping it right at the core. He's like, yeah, okay, you're fixing, but can you keep in mind that your life may be shorter than this whole long-term project you got? So the Prophet ﷺ, what did he say? I don't see it except that death is a little closer than that. And what is that? They're just fixing the house. No, it's not. He's trying to say that this becomes a mentality that you just keep on renovating, 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 upgrading, upgrading, upgrading. And this goes back to the concept of contentment. Some of us have something we're dealing with, we're living with, but the moment we get a raise, we're, we're upgrading. We're upgrading. Not, the contentment isn't there yet. So the Prophet ﷺ in this narration is telling us, yeah, you can fix it right now, but watch how this becomes a sickness where all you're focusing on is the next renovation, the next renovation, the next upgrade, the next upgrade, the next upgrade. And uh, so... Imam Ghazali, what does he tell us? This is the third that we've discussed. Three doors to the heart. Number one that we talked about last week was fear. Number two was desiring people's love and acceptance. And number three, the third door to your heart is this desire to always beautify yourself with the next best and better thing. That if shaitan sees that in you, he's going to exploit that. And make that your day job. Somebody call you up. What are you doing? Yeah, I'm fixing the car again. Dang, I thought you was just fixing it. Yeah, something else. I'm expanding the house again. Allah give us tawfiq. 
And again, I, I think the, the balance is there. The Prophet Jamal. I emphasize that. He wants to see the blessings that you have on you. But don't get consumed by it. Don't be swallowed by it. Next one. So the next uh, trick of shaitan. So we were talking about two different things, right? We were talking about the ways in which shaitan gets into the heart. And we were also talking about the different tricks that shaitan does. So now I'm going to switch over to one of the tricks that shaitan does. One of the tricks that shaitan, it revolves around two things. This is extremely important for us to understand in this day and age. How we see things and our willpower. These are the next two I want to talk about. How we see things and our willpower. Ibn Qayyim al-Jawzi, he says this. He says the next trick that shaitan plays very well is that he makes you believe that there's some benefit for you in something when reality that thing is the furthest thing from the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So in other words, he makes something look beautiful to you, something look appealing to you, when in reality that thing is the worst thing for you to do. And this is a very dangerous one. There's a dua that we should all read. Allahumma arina al-haqqa haqqa warzuqni tiba' wa arina al-batila batila warzuqni ijtinaba min. Listen to this dua. Know this dua, write it down, and keep it regular. O oh Allah, Show me the truth as truth. What that means is allow me to see the truth as a truth. Not as something good, not as something wrong. And show me falsehood as falsehood. So what that goes to show us is that one thing that shaitan, one of the tricks of shaitan that we're mentioning right now is that he makes an action beautified to us that in reality isn't good for us and is extremely harmful for us. And so this, this dua is a, a very strong dua. Let me give an example. Let, let, let's just get straight to it. Most of us know the story of Joseph. The story of Yusuf Just think about sitting in the room with the brothers when they were plotting on killing Joseph. What did they say? Uqtudu Yusuf. Let's kill Yusuf. What will we get when we kill him? We'll get the attention of our father. And look what they say next. And we'll be righteous people. Well, hold up, yo, hold up. Hold up. Let's break the logic down, yo. We're going to kill our little bro, and we're going to be righteous. We're going to kill our little brother. Little man in the front here, yo. So I ain't going to... I got to watch my, I got to watch though. I got the little dude right in front of me. Uh, how you doing, man? Good? Mashallah. Okay. What did the brothers say? They say, Uqtulu Yusuf. Look, look at this. This is very important. They're seeing this action of qatl, of killing, bloodshed, not as an evil thing. Because shaitan is highlighting, oh, after he's gone, don't worry about that. After he's gone, we'll be good. Our father will love us. 
We'll get the attention of our father. We'll be righteous people after that. And so one of the biggest things Shaitan does is he makes what's bad seem good. And so what, what I want us to understand here is when, it, when the Quran says, What does that mean? It means that he makes something beloved or desired to you that shouldn't be desirable to you. I want you to really, really understand this. All he has to do is make you want it. All he has to do is make you want it. Why? Because once you want it, you'll find a reason to justify it. Once you want it bad enough, now he just allows your nafs to make up an excuse for it. He planted the seed of wanting, and now he leaves the rest up to you. Your job now is just, I'm going to make this make sense. I'm going to rationalize this. This is why like, there's scholars that explain that we think that our intellect is, uh, is, is rationalizing our decisions. And scholars say, no, your intellect justifies what your gut just wants to do. It's not rationalizing your decisions. It's justifying what you already decided you wanted to do. You already made up your mind. Now the brain just has to be a lawyer and come up with a good excuse for it. It's just got to come up with a good excuse. And so the problem is, here's, the, here's, the, here's why it's so deadly. The problem is, is when shaitan makes the action look beautiful, you don't even do toba for it because you've already justified it. You've already justified Why would I do toba? I've already justified it. I think this is actually something I'm supposed to be doing. Why would they even do toba for trying to kill Joseph if their outcome, Ya Allah, I'm just trying to do good. I'm just trying to do something righteous. So the first trick of shaitan is to make us see falsehood as truth and truth as falsehood. And the way we fight that, this is so important. You got to keep righteous people around you. You got to stay in the company of good people. And every time you get an idea, yo, I was thinking of doing such and such, you run it past Fulan. Yo, Haytham, yo, I was thinking of. He'll be like, yo, Habibi, what are you saying? Listen to yourself. And you're kind of like, yeah, now that I say it, I don't think I should be doing that. Uh, yo, can we, uh, real quick, can the brothers in the front just come close, real quick? If you're out in the other hall and you want to come in, please come join us, inshallah, man. Yeah, okay, so this first thing, this first one, this first aspect of the trick, I said there's two tricks here. There's two tricks. One of the trick is to show you something evil as good, show you something evil as good, and the dua you must know. And this is, subhanAllah, you know, okay, ya mashallah, you ever had to write a research paper on something for like high school or college, right? And you come up with this grand theory in your head, and you start Googling it, and you start finding like all the data to support your theory. Come on, man. You know what I'm talking about? Like, <laughs> right? So you start to think like, yo, I'm legit a genius, yo. Like I came up with this without even seeing the research. Right? And you start Google, you start seeing all this data to support. I was talking about this in the class earlier today. The fact of the matter is this. Confirmation bias is real. You'll find what you're looking for. You're, you'll find what you're looking for. 
And so the advice that I give myself is if I got an idea, I'm going to search for reasons not to do it. I'm not going to search for reasons why I need to do it. Oh, I, I want to get a new car. Why? You should get a Tesla. Man, every article you could electric, this, that, da, 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 da. They're horrible cars out here. But anyways, all right, <laughs> I'm just messing with you. Get what you want. I don't care. Uh, the point is you make up your mind and you Google, you start Googling, and all of a sudden you got all the data to support. Oh, I don't want to go to Juma. you like, when can I miss Juma? right? <laughs> all of a sudden you come out a scholar like, yo, told you, see, I'm bright, yo, mashallah. No, go the other route. You have an idea, start off with the assumption, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm taking the wrong and start with that research. Reasons why you have to go to Juma no matter what. <laughs> and then if you still come to the same conclusion, like, all right, okay, I guess I can miss Juma whatever this day. I'm sick, I don't know. So, so the idea is that the way we are is shaitan, all only has to do is make something beloved to us. And here's the deal. This is why we say inshallah, because the word inshallah, it actually stops your heart from getting fixated on something before it's coming to you. That's the, no, inshallah is deep if you say it with meaning. I know we just say inshallah, but you know, sometimes I say these duas we should say in English, yo. I know I ain't trying to start no bidda here. I'm just saying, when you say it in English, it kind of hits us as English speakers a little different. You're like, God willing, I'm going to get that job. And you kind of like, you know what? Yeah, I don't even care. God willing, I'm gonna, if God wills, that's, I'm going to get that job. That God willing automatically takes your heart away from it. Why is that important? Because when your heart is on it, you're going to make up reasons why you need to do that thing. You got, you're going to make up reasons why. And not only that, your feed is just going to, the algorithm is going to be like, oh, he got a new thing he's into. The algorithm is like money time. Here we go. Let me show you everything you need to see. So the first thing we need to be very careful of is, is, is the lenses by which we're looking at life. And the only thing I could suggest to make sure you're wearing the correct lenses Stay around good people, number one. Number one. Stay around good people even when you're spiritually low. How about especially when you're spiritually low? Stay around good people. They will automatically alter your perception. They will automatically. Number two, have a person who is not a yes man or ma'am who will keep it real with you. You gotta have that person, not a yes man. You can't have yes men or yes women around you. You need a friend that you're gonna be like, yo, you gotta be real with me, man. If I say something whack, you gotta let me know. And I'm gonna do the same thing with you. And then bi'ibnillah, these are two tools. Um, and just make dua. The other thing that I always do is I'm always sus of my own uh, thing. I'm just automatically kind of sus, like of my own. Let me run it past somebody real quick. Because there's conflict of interest here. Like my nafs is involved too much. So let me ask somebody else. So the first thing I want us to understand is how shaitan makes attractive look right to you. So the trick, and I hope we all embody this inside, 
is, 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 is like we question that first inclination of what is right and we question that first. Number two, now this is where it gets really deep. Woman kaydihil ajib, one of his strangest tricks against us. What, you know, what was the dua that I just taught y'all? What do you read? Allahumma, show me the truth as and. No, no, no. There's something before that. Okay. And sh- give me the ability to follow it. And show me the falsehood as falsehood. And give me the ability to stay away. Right? So look, what is this dua combining? Two things. Let me cease things as correct that are correct. And also, number two, give me the willpower to go after what is right and the willpower to refrain from what is wrong. The next trick of shaitan deals with willpower. Shaitan will lead you to one of two extremes. Excess, extremism, or negligence. Excess, and it's all based on willpower. It's all based on willpower. Listen to what Ibn Qayyim al-Jawzi, rahimahullah ta'ala, he says. He says, listen. Shaitan looks at you closely. He tests you. He looks at you. To see which thing is more predominant with you out of two things. Now listen closely. There are some of us in this room who are go-getters. You put an objective in front of us, we go after it. Can nothing get in the way? Like you put a, 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 a goal... We go after it. We go after it. We go after it. You put a dozen hurdles in front of us. We like, yo, I don't know who's the runner these days. I don't even know. We hop in those hurdles. Meaning we have a lot of willpower. And if there's an objective, we go after it. And nothing brings us back. You know what shaitan does to these people? Pushes you to extreme. Why? So you burn out. You're a go-getter. You heard the lecture today. To hudge it, Allah comes down. He hears your prayers. Da-da-da-da-da, da-da-da-da-da. It's the light of the, the people who are the awliya. To hudge it. To hudge it is to wake up in the middle of the night and pray. You're a go-getter. You hear that. Three days in a row, you up at 3 a.m. Till fudger. Bags and everything going to work. <laughs> right? But what happens on day four? No tahajit, no fudger, maybe even dhor. Man, deen is hard, man. Deen is hard. Yeah, man, deen is hard. What are these people? These people go really high and really, really low. Um, I, I don't mind the kids, but we do have a big hall in the back if they want to play. Um, but I, I'm cool if y'all cool. Whatever. I'm just saying. Not for real, for real. I just see some people a little disturbed, that's all. Um, so so you, you feel me? So like some of us, they hear that one hadith about Quran. And now this shaitan's like, yeah, bro. Hype man. Hype man. No, but listen, why? Why? Because this person has a natural disposition that they're a go-getter. So shaitan is going to exploit that. He knows if he tells you don't do it, you're the opposite type of person. What do you do? You go through, you fight through. So shaitan, you know, um, in some martial arts, right, they teach you like, you don't fight people's power, you, re, you, you, you direct their power. 
So, so someone's throwing, I ain't trying to give no lessons here or whatever, but like, 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 you know what I'm saying? Someone's throwing energy at you. You don't go against the energy. That's silly. You just kind of like push them to the side. Let that energy go somewhere else. That's what Shaitan is doing to us right there. What is Shaitan doing? You're a go-getter. What is he going to do? He's going, yo, Khalid, go at it, yo. Day one, Khalid's on it. Day two, Khalid's on it. Day three, Khalid's on it. Day four, yo, where's my man? I ain't calling you out, Habibi. I'm just, I, you were smiling at me, yo. I ain't trying to call you out. No, I'm just saying. You was looking at me, that's all. You feel me, brothers and sisters? You get what I'm saying? What is his objective? If you feel yourself going hard in ibadah, you got a question. Again, how do you check yourself? Good company. Good company. You got to talk to people. You got to be like, yo, I'm trying to do tahajjit for the next five days. And that good person is like, are you crazy? Like, oh, you're a shaitan. Like, no, I'm your friend for the akhirah, but I'm telling you you're crazy. Chill, chill. Let's slowly build up. Let's slowly build up. Did we get our fudgers for a month straight? Okay, we got our fudgers. All right, now let's add a little bit of extra qiyam You feel me? All right. This is a big problem. And in fact, to converts, I say this all the time. Start off slow. And converts means also born Muslim, but getting back in your deen, by the way. Start off slow. Slow. And shaitan's going to be like, speed up. You're going to be like, nope, I, already, I was sitting in halakha class four. I already know how you play me. Nope. All right, let's move on, though. This, 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 this Imam uh, Ibn Qayyim, he goes, but shaitan looks to see if that's your personality. There's others of us in here who are not go-getters. Um, we kind of don't see our own agency. We kind of feel like I can't do much. I don't affect a lot. Like, yeah, I'm not that one. I'm in the corner. I'm low key. Like, I don't change stuff out there. Shaitan does the other against you. You hear the hadith of tahajjud, Quran, and Shaitan just pushes you down. To the one with the willpower, he's run, run. To, to you now, he's like, what are you? You to it? Come on. That's not you. Push you down. And you're like, yeah, you know what? I wasn't going to be continuous anyway. So here's the thing. When I said this, do you know you? Because Shaitan knows you. <laughs> Let me ask you that question one more time. I know me. Some of y'all know me. <laughs> Your friends, if you don't know you, ask your friend. Uh, right now, just lean over. Like, yo, which one am I? Just lean over. Hey, them, which one am I? I'm the go-getter, yo. So that's why I need wifey to be like, can you chill? That's why I need my boy to be like, yo, chill. Yo, relax. Pull it back in. Right? So listen to yourself. Know yourself. Know yourself because shaitan knows you. And if you know yourself, you know how he's coming at you. Right? Allahu Akbar. So, th that next trick of shaitan was what? To show us falsehood as truth and truth as falsehood. Right there, we need good company to correct that perspective. Correct that. Be okay feeling wrong too. Like, if you, it's okay to be wrong. If that's okay. 
if you've got good people around you that will correct you in the right way, it's okay to be wrong, you know? Um, and then the second has to do with willpower. Now, now we're going like, to, I want to look at this playbook in a deep level. Do y'all remember, I'm a, it's a quiz. Do you remember class one of Know Thy series? Know Thy Enemy? Right? Do you remember the seven tricks Shaitan uses? I ain't trying to quiz you, but real quick. No, no, no. What was the three? Number one, you don't need the good deed. So now look, he said, okay, real quick, if you weren't there, we ain't going to be in the dark. I got you. These were seven tricks that Shaitan uses, and we gave the response. But I want to play today's lesson into that so you get this playbook on a deeper level. First thing he tells you, you don't need the good deed. Simple, like halakha, like you're like, your heart, your heart is like, yo, we need that spiritual revive. Shaitan's like, you don't need it. You good from last week. Like, we're still practicing on that. Why would we get more information, right? So now you got to fight that. You got to fight that, right? What was the number two? Do it later. Now, here's where it gets deep. For those of us who are procrastinators, which is like all of us, for those of us who are procrastinators, I'm projecting big time, sorry. It takes a lot of willpower to not procrastinate. A lot of willpower. But guess what? When you got all that willpower, guess what it sometimes ends up being? Push you to extreme. You see how it connects with today's lesson? So I fought my hardest to get over my willpower, my, my natural inclination for, to, to procrastinate. So I'm getting it. But now that I got all that energy, Shaitan's like, yeah, come bring that energy. And that ties into today's lesson. So you got to know yourself. You got to watch yourself. You need good people around you that will check you. And don't hate on people that are trying to slow you down. Spiritually, don't think they're wishing ill for you. If your personal trainer tells you take weight off that bar and don't come out to the gym so many times, they're not hating on you. They're looking for your longevity. Speak to someone who should have listened. <laughs> for those who know. No, seriously, when, the, when someone is trying to pull you and slow you down, a lot of times those are people who really love you and those people are trying to push you on and make you rush. Sometimes they don't have the best intentions. Okay, how are we with time? We're good, right? Okay. Um, okay, so that's that. I want to go to the next, uh, the next trick of shaitan. The next trick. Little man's hyped, yo, mashallah. I love his energy, man. Listen, okay. Woman alvim hiel shaitan. New one, new one, fresh one, new note. Woman alvim hiel shaitan. An yashgalul insan an nafsihi bi ikhtilafat al waqia bayna al nas. One of the biggest tricks of shaitan is to take you away from focusing on yourself and get you to focus on the discrepancies that other people are having. Ibn Mas'ud gives an example. Ibn Mas'ud, this is a crazy example. He says, People got together in the masjid reading Quran together. A shaitan came to them, whether it be a person or whatever. A shaitan came to them to try to get them to stop what they're doing. But he was unsuccessful. They stayed there reading Quran. They're good. 
So shaitan goes to another group of people who are not doing dhikr or nothing. They're just talking about dunya, about political issues, about house, about whatever. Dunya. Shaitan started a little like distance, different, difference of opinion, a little, little like uh, argument between those people. So those people got up and now they're arguing with each other. Then once they start arguing, the people who are reading Quran, they're like, oh man, we got we to gotta, we gotta squash this. So now, and, and the, Ibn Masood says, he got these people fighting, but he says, but he ain't even trying to get them. He's trying to get these people. So what? Those people stand up. Ibn Masood says, Those people who are reading Quran, sitting there remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they got up and they busied themselves. Listen, a lot of us need to get out of the comment sections, man. With those fake accounts y'all got to. <laughs> yeah, that, that fake, that anonymous joint where you leave trolling people. Yeah, I already know. I already know. Get out of it, man. Like, how much of our life we're wasting in, in conversations, in debates that are fruitless. Half the time, wallah, subhanAllah, Haytham, you know what's deep? Half, you know why it's really deep now? Half of us don't even know if we're arguing with a bot or a real person. You in a debate with a bot, yo. It's funny, but it's sad. AI is crazy now. AI is writing stories, y'all. You think AI can't respond to your tw uh, tw 41 word tweet and pull just what chord he needs to strike? That, that changed my perspective. Once I realized I'm not even talking to real people, I don't even know. I'm like, how am I spending my time? There's a hadith that is, 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 is one of the cent most central hadith every Muslim must know. Min husni islam in mar'i, tarkuhu ma la ya'ni. The thing that will make you a beautiful Muslim is to stay out of things that don't concern you. He says one of the biggest ways shaitan gets us is to get us involved in other people's drama. Get us involved in other people's tea. Now tea, is, it tastes good. I get it. I know y'all like tea. I get it. But you got to be careful. You got to be careful. That can consume you. That can consume you, that can consume you. So I, I really wanted to share this one because nowadays with social media, we're, we're just so caught up in everyone's conversations. And how about this? Some of y'all like, oh, I don't comment, but you read in every comment. <laughs> yeah, they like, can you leave somebody out of this, man? I get you, some of y'all just eye emojis. Y'all just watch the whole drama unfold with the popcorn. Ooh. And you saying to me right now, oh, I don't comment. But how, how this, is, what, this is a major tactic that our scholars said shaitan does. Shaitan just doesn't want you focus on priority things, serious things. I get it. You have time to chill occasionally, whatever, whatever. But look at your screen time. It may be more than you actually think. A lot of your time might be actually just in the comments, just going through everyone. Let alone if you that one person we go to to give us all this social media tea. <laughs> I'm not going to look at who I'm talking about. 
I'm just messing with her. She good. <laughs> no, so seriously, I, this is another trick of Shaitan is we're in the comment section. We're constantly engaged in whatever new t Twitter drama is going on. Muslim or non-Muslim. Muslim or non-Muslim. You got to know every single, there's a new one this week. Every week, new, new drama. But you got to know everything that's going on. Ibn Qayyim al-Jawzi, he says this is one of the biggest shaitans. To get people away from focusing on themselves, they begin to focus on other people in their drama, and he pulls people away from the remembrance of Allah that way. Okay. Um, I have one more, but it's a deep one, yo. And I feel like we only got like 10 minutes left. Um, let's do it, yo. Bismillah. Right? Bismillah. Ghazali, we talking about the doors into your heart. The doors into your heart. How many did we do? No, doors, not tricks, two. Doors. Five. Fear. Love of people and getting love of people. Huh? Oh, 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 yeah, loving beautiful things. That was the first one, and now we're on the fourth one. Here we go, listen. See, I, I want you to understand something. There's a difference between a trick and a door into the heart. The trick is just a quick, he uses against everybody. I shared two of those right now. But the doors into the heart, those were different. Here's the next door, anger. Anger, y'all. <sighs> Anger's a big one. Um... Imam Ghazali, he says this. Anger, it, it, it removes your intellect. And it weakens the army of your intellect. Remember, we said this heart is a castle. That means you got soldiers, yo. Part of those soldiers is your intellect. He says when anger comes, when that door is open, the army is weak. And what does he say? Hajamash jundu shaytan. Shaytan comes at that point right there. He says, insan, when a person becomes angry, He says, when a person becomes angry, shaytan plays with this person the way a child plays with a ball. The way a child plays with a ball. A man came to the Prophet. This is deep. He came to the Prophet وسلم, and he said, Ya Rasulullah, alimni, give me some knowledge, but keep it brief. Like, because he goes, I want to make sure I remember it. Keep it brief. He goes, La taghdab, don't get angry. He goes, All right. He goes, Ya, ya Rasulullah, teach me, give me some knowledge, but keep it brief. Because he, he thinks he's ready for some deep, deep stuff. He thinks this ain't deep. The Prophet goes, La don't get angry. Three times the Prophet وسلم, he says to this man, La taghdab, la taghdab, la taghdab. That was his wasiyah to this person. Now here's what the scholars say. Shaytan attacks us through anger. There's three levels of anger. There's excessive anger, deficient anger, and right to dad, right in the middle, balanced anger. Imam Shafi goes, if you don't get angry when you're supposed to get angry, fa'anta himar. <laughs> that means a, a mule. If you don't get angry when you're supposed to, 
Somebody say something to my mom, I'm right there. Someone say something to my wife, my children, I'm right there. I'm not just like, oh, okay. Sorry, sorry. Nah, yo, you like, yo, what's going on? Not while I'm here, which you see I'm standing right here. Like anger is where there's a, a place for anger. And we find that the Prophet got angry. And I'm going I'm to talk about the Prophet's anger. It's very interesting. But the, so the first is when you don't get angry when you're supposed to get angry. That's the first way Shaitan will play some of us. Some of us are really cool and collected. Some of us are really cool and collected. The way Shaitan gets us is we don't get angry when we're supposed to get angry. We don't stand up when we're supposed to stand up. And you know, there's an incident, subhanAllah, sometimes for, some of us may have these moments where we should have stood up, but we didn't. And then a whole next week, we like, dang, I should have said something. I should have said something. I should have said something. But that, that cowardice took over and we didn't stand up. So that's negligent. You want to you wanna make dua, oh Allah, allow me to be angry when I'm supposed to be angry. When I'm supposed to be. Now the opposite is, is uh, ifrat, is when it goes too far. This is most people's problem. This is where the, the main problem of, of what we're talking about, shaitan taking over us, this is the problem when the, when the anger goes too far. Now, when we talk about the anger of the Prophet, it's pretty deep. Did the Prophet get angry? Yeah, he did. Um, but what we find about the Prophet, he used anger to help motivate and change people. Please listen closely. This is beautiful. The Prophet's anger was always surrounded and encapsulated with love. Love before, love after, anger in the middle. Whoever he got angry at knew how deeply he loved them. That's why his anger was transformational. And that's why other people's anger isn't. Because you haven't conveyed your love yet. All I see is anger from you. All I see is hatred. Let me give you an example. Mu'adh bin Jabal. Mu'adh bin Jabal. One day he led salah. He led the prayer. Isha prayer. You know what surah he read? Baqarah. <laughs> one, of the, one of the people praying hears him start. And maybe you're like, I'm All right. Maybe he's going to read like a few like lines. He keeps going. One of the sahabas like, alaykum, alaykum. I'm out. I'm dead serious. He prays his own, but this sahaba, he goes to the prophet and complains. He didn't just go home. He went, he's like, Ya Rasulullah, I work in a farm all day. I went to pray and he was reading Surah Al-Baqarah. Uh, uh, the prophet got angry. He went to Mu'adh and his face is red and he says, Afatanun anta? Are you causing fitna? Are you causing fitna? Are you causing fitna? But what y'all don't know is just a little earlier, he had said to Mu'adh bin Jabal, Ya, ya Mu'adh, inni uhibbuka. He said, he said, there was a narration where he said to Mu'adh, uh, I love you. I want to teach you some words that you say after every prayer. Before he taught him those words, he said, listen, come here. I love you. I love you and I want to teach you something. I'm trying to show you something. Whenever he reprimanded people that he wanted to change, they already knew. Let me give another example. Ka'ab bin Malik. Long story. There's no way I could do justice in the next five minutes, but I'll give you a piece of it. 
the, the Sahaba had went out to this battle and everyone had to go. But Kaab procrastinated, radiallahu anh, and he didn't go. But he wanted to. But he just kept procrastinating. And finally, when he was about to leave, they were already coming back into the city. So now, all of the really like clear hypocrites, they're coming with excuses to the, to the prophet. Oh, my wife. Oh, my, my daughter was sick. Oh, whatever. And the prophet, whenever someone would come, he would be like, oh, may Allah forgive you. May Allah forgive you. May Allah forgive you. Cobb walked up. Cobb says his own words. He says, he smiled at me with a smile that had a hint of anger. So I went up to him and I told him the truth. He's like, I don't have an excuse. I just procrastinated. Do you know what his punishment was? 40 day boycott. Nobody in the Muslim community could talk to him. This man feels ostracized in his own community. He says though, I would go pray Salah in the masjid. Listen, this is beautiful. I would pray Salah in the masjid and nobody could talk to me. Like it's the prophet said, don't talk to him. No one can talk to him until his punishment is done. He says, I would go to the masjid and when I would start praying, out of the corner of my eye, I could see the prophet looking at me. But when I would finish my prayer and look at him, he would just turn away and just look away. He's like, I knew he loved me. I knew like he wanted to talk to me too, but nothing had been revealed yet. And then he says, finally, the verses were revealed. And uh, he was praying his fajr on his, on, his, on his roof. And somebody yelled from the masjid, congratulations, Cobb. And Cobb's like, I heard it. So I ran to the masjid. And when I run into the masjid, the Prophet hugs me. And he says, congratulations, congratulations. And a whole verse was revealed about him. But what I'm trying to tell you is that when he met him the first time, he had that love. Even during the punishment, he had that love. And at the end, the love was there. The Prophet Sallallahu anger was not pure anger. It was anger that was surrounded in love. And that's why it was so transformational in the people's lives. That's why it was so powerful in the people's lives. Anger will destroy. Remember I told you in class one, Shaitan's biggest success is to break up our families. Anger destroys families, man. The whole house feels anger when, when two people are angry at each other. I don't care how you try to mask it. The whole house knows, yeah, dad's angry at such and such. Ali, let me tell you an incident, subhanAllah. And it's beautiful because through the Sahaba, we see these amazing ways of dealing with anger. There's a narration that, um, almost Sayyidina Muhammad. There's a narration that the Prophet Sallallahu he went to his daughter Fatima's house. He went to his daughter's Fatima's house. Who's Fatima married to, y'all? Ali. He goes to the house. Listen to this dialogue. جَاءَ رَسُولَ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ فَاطِمَةً فَلَمْ يَجِدْ عَلِيَ إِنْ دَلْبَيْتِ Ali wasn't there. Something's up. فَقَالَ أَيْنَ إِبْنَ عَمِّكِ He says, uh, you know, where's your cousin? Because they were cousins. He goes, where's your cousin? And that means, where's your husband? Where's Ali? So Fatima, his daughter, she says, We had an argument. I got angry. First of all, there's a hobby which tells me it's normal. Fatima and Ali, two of the greatest people of our ummah, they had an argument. 
Now she says, He made me mad. So, so where's he at though? <laughs> like, all right, where he at though? <laughs> he left. He left and he didn't take his siesta nap here. First of all, learn how to give people space when they're upset, yo. Some of us like to stay in people's face. No, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Yo, give somebody space to breathe. Let them decompress. Ali understood. Ali went to the masjid, took a, na a nap in the masjid. That's why they say you see a brother sleeping in the masjid middle of the day, something up. <laughs> something up, yo. Because that ain't normal. Why are you in the masjid taking a nap for, Habibi? So the Prophet said him, he goes into the masjid, and sure enough, Ali radiallahu anh is, is on the floor. It ain't carpet, it's dirt. He's laying on the floor sleeping, thinking about life. <laughs> thinking about life. So the Prophet him, he walks over, he's laying down, and his, his, cloth, his, his shirt had fell off, so he had dirt all on his side. And the Prophet him, he, he grabbed him, he started picking him up. He starts dusting him off. He goes, Ya Aba Turab, O father of dirt. Stand up, man. Come on, man. Let's go home. Let's go home. And he took him home and he worked it out with them. What I'm trying to show you is like the prophet understood how anger can break up family, but he came as a, a source to, to mend that anger and kind of calm everyone down. He made a joke. There's another beautiful incident. I know I'm going over time. I'm, I'm going to wrap this up uh, in a minute. But there's another beautiful incident about... Uh, Abu Bakr and Omar. So this is a beautiful one because, because anger is, uh, it doesn't just affect the two people. And that's what Shaitan knows. If I can, like, if I can get your fuse to spark, it's going to mess up the whole family. So I want you to see how contagious it is. Um, Abu Bakr radiallahu an and Omar got in an argument. It happens. Got in an argument. And Omar upsets uh, Abu Bakr. And Omar starts to beg Abu Bakr to forgive him. And Abu Bakr's like, nah, I'm like, nah. I'm serious, the hadith is, I'll read the hadith to you. Huh? Other way? You sure, Habibi? Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad. Hold on, man. Give me one second, y'all. Shayin Takhturu. Yeah, here we go. Listen to the narration. Sorry about that. Kanat Baini, Baini Abu Bakr wa Umar Muhawara. They had an argument. Fagadaba Abu Bakr Umar. Abu Bakr made Umar radiallahu angry. Abu Bakr made Umar radiallahu an. Fan Sarafa anhu Mughdiban. Abu Bakr made who angry? Omar. So Omar walked away angry. Abu Bakr. Abu Bakr walks after him. He's like, yo, forgive me, man. I'm sorry. Forgive me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And he's asking him, yes, asking him to forgive him. It's hard to even translate that. He goes, he followed him home until Abu Bakr closed the door. Omar closed the door in Abu Bakr's face. Like, nah, man, I'm going in the house. He closed the door. The narration continues. Abu Bakr ila Rasul. 
he just got the door closed. I, Abu Bakr did the wrong. Uh, and he's asking for forgiveness, but Umar's like, no. Abu Bakr goes to the Prophet as he's walking. This is interesting. The Prophet sees Abu Bakr from a distance and he says, He sees his buddy walking and he goes, and he's with Sahaba. He goes, Look, your man just got in an argument. Because his body language, right? Abu Bakr comes and he tells him what happened. By then, Omar, like, oh my God, what did I do? Omar comes to the masjid, but who's there already? It's just like when your sibling gets to your dad first. That's the worst, yo. You got to give the story first. So, so the Prophet, he gets upset. And he says, will you not leave my man alone? Will you not leave my man alone? Will you not leave my man alone? Until he started to change his face, color was changing. And, and Abu Bakr's in, the, in front of him, he's like, it was me, I was wrong. <laughs> like, he's trying to say, I did wrong. But the Prophet's like, no, I'm so close to you, I'm hurt when you're hurt. And, and, and then, and he just keeps saying, he was with me when nobody was with me. Leave him alone, leave him alone. And he was getting angry. What I'm trying to show you is that when, when you allow anger into our relationships, it's, it, it doesn't just affect you. So we have to understand no matter what, anger is a door that shaitan uses. If he exploits that door, the family is going to have a lot of trouble. So before we end, I want to give us some preventative methods on this anger. I want this to be practical as we talk about anger. So we're going to talk about stopping it before it comes while it is there and after it's there. And I'm going to be brief because I know it's been a long night. Number one, preventative. You need to ask Allah to protect you from ghadab. The Prophet made dua. If you are someone that anger is quick, you have to make that dua regular. Number two. Number two. Remember that Allah is forgiving. This is before. Meaning, meaning what does that mean? Uh, let me give a quick example. This is crazy. Mista was a relative of Abu Bakr. But when the fitna or the rumors of Aisha committing zina was spread, Mista was actually someone who spread them. But Abu Bakr, he used to give him a, a, a monthly stipend. Get it, get it right, y'all. Abu Bakr, his daughter is being accused, and the dude that's accusing or spreading the rumor is someone I give, I'm giving money to monthly. Abu Bakr is like, I'm not giving you money ever again. But the Quran was revealed. Do you not wish for Allah to forgive you? Abu Bakr said, yep, I'm paying him double from now on. I'm paying him double. I'm giving him double what I used to give now. The point is, you remember Allah's forgiveness. This helps you learn to become more forgiving. Number three, um, say salam or bismillah when you walk in the home. Out of four halakas, three of them I said, when you walk in the home, what do you say? Bismillah, bismillah keep shaitan, or salamu alaikum. A lot of us walk in the home and we don't say bismillah. Number three, uh, tongue. Stay, uh, control, learn to control your tongue when you're not angry. Because this is going to come important, and we're going to talk about why that's so important later. But learn to control your tongue before, because that plays a key role later. Um, the other thing is you have to see anger or being conquered by anger as a sign of weakness. Uh, children get angry easy. Uh, with all due, uh, elderly people get angry really quick. 
right? Uh, you know, sick people get angry really quick. You feel me? Like anger is not what strong, we don't, strong people don't get angry. They control anger. And that's what we're, we're trying to realize is like, look, anger, the prophet used anger. He didn't let anger abuse him. I'm going to say that again. I prepared that one, all right, y'all? <laughs> the prophet used anger, okay? He used it. He used it when necessary. But for many of us, it's, it's, it's literally controlling us. And that's what we're trying to understand here. So weak, understand it's a sign of weakness when you see yourself angry. Um, and number, number, number five or number six is preventative measures is a lot of thicker. Now, when we are actually in angry moments, a lot of it d- depends on what we did outside of anger. But in the angry moment, here's the things that we can do based on the prophet's teachings. Number one, say, A'udhu Billah. The prophet literally taught that in a narration. The prophet saw a man angry. His face was red, everything. The prophet's like, I know words. If he says it, it will take away his anger. They said to him, hey, the prophet said you should say these words. He said, am I crazy or something? He couldn't say it. <laughs> he said, you think I'm, I'm majnoon? I'm crazy. He couldn't say the words, though. Number two, silence, 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 silence. Listen, what, what did the Prophet say to Aisha? I know when you're happy and I know when you're angry. She said, how? Tell me what I do. He said, when you're angry, when you're happy with me, you say, la wa rabbi Muhammad. You say, la, I swear by the Lord of Muhammad. Right? When you're angry, what do you say to me? You go, La, what up, Ibrahim? <laughs> I swear by the Lord of Abraham. Now check it. She goes, Yes, but all I did was leave out your name. Meaning, in my angry moment, I don't add nothing to it. In my angry moment, I just leave out your name. You get the beauty? That's control. So, number two is stay silent, control tongue. Because you're going to regret what you say. And words don't come back, y'all. You could tell me that you were angry when you said it, but guess what? You said it, yo. And to me, that was still truth. Please understand that. Just because you were angry doesn't mean I don't realize that that was truth coming out your tongue. That just tells me what you really feel. Number three, don't make any decision angry. The prophet literally said this. لا يقضي بين الاثنين وهو غضبان. Never make any this, this, uh, uh, thing in the state of anger. Number, the next one the Prophet gave is water. The Prophet literally said, غضب من الشيطان وهو من النار. Anger is from shaitan, he's from fire. Use water to cool it down. The scholars say, go make wudu, yo. Come, cool yourself down, go make wudu, go take a cold shower. And last but not least, the Prophet وسلم, he taught us to change our physical state. Position. If you're standing, sit down. If you're sitting, sitting, lie down. Just change your position. And notice he always changed position downward. Because what do we do when we get angry? First thing, you stand up. So the prophet says, like, lay down, push it down, push yourself down. Um, and then after we're angry, uh, when it calms down, we have to repair the wrongs we did, make dua for the person you were angry at, uh, give sadaqah on their behalf. And last but not least, yo, if anger is truly, truly one of those doors that shaitan uses on you often, um, you, you really need to see someone, right? And that's not, that's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong 
with needing to see someone to help you deal with anger. If, if you have a physical ailment, if you have a sprained ankle, there is nothing wrong with going to see a PT to help you, right? If you have a sprained anger problem, <laughs> there is nothing wrong with going to see someone who will help you deal with that. Completely normal. And so we all collectively, um, as the children of immigrants, have to collectively destigmatize that, please. That means encourage your friends and sisters and brothers. Oh, yeah, I go to see someone all the time. You want our number? <laughs> we have to really destigmatize this, okay? Because unfortunately, it's still in our community. So last but not least, if you need to talk to someone who can help you. Last thing I'll say this to y'all. The thing that helps me with anger is the example I gave y'all. Last, I'm done, seriously. <laughs> no, for real, for real. The thing that helps me with anger is realizing God's in control. And I'll share with you something I've said in the previous halakha. It's a Chinese proverb. There's a man on a fishing boat. Man on a fishing boat. He's drifting in the water. It's a foggy day. He sees a boat kind of drifting towards him. So he yells out, hey, sir, watch out. My boat's here. But the boat keeps getting closer and closer, drifting towards him. He yells out again, oh, sir, watch out. I'm right here. The boat gets closer and closer, and finally the boat hits his boat. And right at the moment when he would get angry because someone crashed into his boat, he realizes that there's no one in the boat, and it was just floating with the water, and his anger subsides. We get angry when we have someone to point the finger at. We get angry when we see someone, I could say, it's your fault. It's because of you. But what happens when we see Allah in control of everything? Maybe that will help us calm our anger down. May Allah allow us to have this knowledge in our hearts. May Allah allow us to protect ourselves from shayateen. May Allah allow us to use this knowledge to become better believers. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept our gathering here tonight and give us many more fruitful gatherings like this. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun. Wassalamun ala al-mursaneen. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Jazakumullahu khair.